I would like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Hosea chapter 10, reading from verse 9 on to verse 13. That is Hosea chapter 10. And if your Bible is like mine, page 1246. Otherwise, you think of Daniel, Hosea, you'll be able to find it. That is, Hosea chapter 10 and verse 1. Shall we all stand as we honor God by the reading of his word? It reads thus. Chapter 10, verse 9. Sorry, chapter 10, verse 9. O Israel, thou hast sinned from the days of Gibeah. There they stood, the battle in Gibeah against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. It is my, in my desire that I should chastise them and the people shall be gathered against them when they shall bind themselves in their two fowls. And Ephraim is an heifer that is taught and loveth to tread out the corn. But I pass over upon her fair neck. I will make Ephraim to ride. Judah shall plow and Jacob shall break his clouds. Sow to yourself in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. Till come and rain righteousness upon you. Ye have plowed wickedness. Ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies. Because thou distrust in thy way, in the multitude of thy might, of thy mighty men. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts. As we center our thoughts on the phrase found in verse 12, break up your fellow ground. Father who art in heaven, we give you thanks for life, for health, and for strength. And the ability to work, the ability to earn. Lord, we pray that you'll bless each one. Bless their labor. God, that you'll grant strength for each task. We ask your blessings upon the word. Spirit of God, we ask for a fresh anointing for today's task and that you speak to each heart. Speak through me also and anoint my lips and direct my thoughts. And please, take away from my thoughts those things which are not necessary for this message. And add to my thoughts those things which are necessary to make this message complete. Father, magnify, magnify yourself in and through us. And may you speak to some lost soul and one who does not know Christ may come to know you and 
Some person who is backslidden may be stored to fellowship. And we ask, dear Lord, that you please grant us a revival in these barren times. Oh, Father and oh God, defeat the forces of evil. May your word have its free course in every heart and in every life. These mercies we ask through Jesus Christ, oh Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is land which has been unused, neglected. Sometimes just wasted land. And it becomes very hard and nothing could be really sown. Although it could grow weeds and thorns and thistles. It is important to note that fallow ground can be good soil. It's not necessarily rocky soil. That is why we are told to break up the fallow ground, your fallow ground. The fallow ground here, it is a metaphor. It is nothing more than your heart, which is the intellect, the emotion, and the will. For the good of the younger ones, a metaphor is a figure of speech in which one thing is spoken of as it were another. Then, on the other hand, fallow ground is good soil which is neglected. For example, I have here some fallow ground. I have it in a plastic to keep me from dirtying my hand. But this is fallow ground. And this is really and truly my natural soil where I live. And so I went out and I fork up a bit of it. And this is what my soil looked like. It is hard, but it is rich soil. And here I have some soil that comes from this very soil. And this is good for planting. This is not. But how I get it to this takes some hard work. It's a long process. And about twice each year, I got to dig it up and run it through a process because I can't plant in this. It will not grow. This is not a rock. This is my natural soil in Ramsbury where I live. And so I go through a process which is called composting. Each time that I'm going to use it. And I take um, different things. Sand. Sawdust. Aged animal manure. Peelings from the kitchen. Leaves. Shredded paper. And put them in a compass. And let it stay there for at least a minimum of 42 days. It could go over 40. But at least six weeks. And this hard soil, wetting it, treating it, sand and different things, it comes like this and it's ready for planting. And so 
it is not wise to sow seeds in fallow ground. They're not good. But at the same time, you wonder, how is it that weeds and thistles and thorns, briars, grow in fallow ground? It's a paradox, isn't it? Well, just like it takes a lot of hard work to break up the fallow ground, so it is spiritually. It takes a lot of hard work to break up the fallow ground and to make it fit for planting our hearts. Jesus Christ referred to four types of soils in the gospel. But he was not talking about natural soil. He was also using the soil as a metaphor for our hearts. In the parable in Matthew chapter 13, which time will not permit us to get involved in. But you'll notice here in Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 12, it begins with the act of sowing. Sowing, as we well know, is to plant seeds into the soil. It can be said this way, that sowing is to do something that will eventually bring forth a particular result. The scripture says, we are to sow to ourselves in righteousness. It is said that all human life consists of sowing and reaping. Every day we are sowing seeds and so we have to be careful with the seeds that we sow. And you don't ever reap the same day that you sow. Nor will you reap a few days later. The best of crops or the quickest of crops you may reap within 42 to 50 days. Beans and okras and so forth. Spinach. But other crops, some 60 days, some 90 days, some even two years, some five years. And so, we have to keep in, life, in mind when we, are reap, when we are sowing in life that we are not going to reap or harvest right away. It will come later on. Awful parents did sow some seeds, some good seeds. And we reap the harvest, good harvest, from the seeds that our parents did sow. Unfortunately, this generation is sowing some seeds that I'm very concerned about the harvest that the children who are coming after us are going to reap. Therefore, sow to yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. In keeping with our subject, please observe with me a few things 
about this passage. Number one, observe the depraved moral condition that existed back then in the time of this writing. Verses 1, 2, and 13. I will not take the time to read all of these verses as we read them already, or some of them, but verse 1 says, Israel is an empty vine. You see the barrenness right here? He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. According to the multitude of his fruits, he had increased the altars. Increasing the altars here, they made altars to idols and altars to God. They were divided. And God will not accept that type of thing. The heart is divided. Even back, even as it was back then, so it is right now. People are divided. They give God a little bit of religion. Mixed with a lot of iniquity. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars and refuse their worship. He shall spoil their images. Verse 13. You have plowed wickedness. He have reaped iniquity. He have eaten the fruit of lies. Because thou didst trust in thy way. Their hearts were divided. They were worshipping God. Worshipping idols at the same time. Much like it is these days. The same is true in our times. There was wickedness. Deceitfulness. Corruption. Unfaithfulness. And ultimately. Barrenness. The barrenness in the world right now. Is because of constant sowing in sin. And we allow governments to make decisions go, that go contrary to the word of God. And then we think we have to obey them because we don't want to upset the government. Now I'm not talking about the, your government. Eh? I'm talking about government because people get very fussy about their, their government. I'm talking about governments, particularly nations that make laws and say that you have to acknowledge same-sex marriage and so forth. And it's particularly troubling that churches and pastors go along with the idea when the Bible says something totally different. And I keep wondering, when is it that God is going to pour judgment upon the world for this same-sex marriage? Because the same thing that is being done now is the same thing that was done back in Sodom and Gomorrah and God cast out judgment on, the, on them back then. And it is far worse now than it was back then. And when a pastor get up and speak, People walk out. 
just last Sunday, a pastor was preaching on the family. On the family. And because he said that the husband is the head of the house, he himself said, said that a, a section, well, once, you know, he had several sections. Some people in that section and some people in that section walk out because he said the husband is the head of the house. I mean, what is wrong with that? That's biblical. There are pastors who did not say to their congregation that same-sex marriage is wrong and it's a sin. A pastor in London was arrested for hate speech because he was reading from the Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah. He was arrested and put in handcuffs simply for reading the word of God in an open your service. So that is hate speech. To speak against same-sex marriage. Depraved condition. So that this is fallow ground in that. Man's ordinances are placed over the ordinances of God. In the beginning, God created he male and female. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Ladies, don't be afraid to be ladies and show off your femininity. Femininity. You are feminine. Be feminine. Amen. Amen. Gentlemen, we are male. And let's be masculine. Amen. Well, let's move on here. <laughs> because some people are going to get offended. But thank God, let me say, that here in St. Kitts and Nevis, we have no such ordinance. Amen. Amen. So, you don't get offended. <laughs> I was not talking about your government. Number two. Observe. The personal command. It says, break up your fallow ground. Not the fallow ground. Your fallow ground. This is very personal. So, for yourself. In other words, no one can break up that fallow ground for you. I wish to God that I could get some people to come up and help me break up this fallow ground here. But I have to do it myself. <laughs> And it's a tedious process in order to get my soil like this. Very time consuming. Your pastor cannot break up your fallow ground. And this is not talking about the dirt now. It's talking about your heart. Your spouse cannot break up your fallow ground. Your parents Cannot break up your fallow ground. Your parents can instruct you. They can train you. They can teach you. But you have to do it for yourself. You got to plow in righteousness and sow in righteousness. You have to determine for yourself that you are going to do what is right in the sight of God. No one can do it for you. Observation number three. Observe the solemn command. Verse 12. So in righteousness. Because 
Righteousness exalted a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And those who call themselves the great nations of the world, God is going to deal with them. I'm wondering how long it's going to take before God brings judgment upon these nations that encourage lawlessness. 2 Timothy 6 and verse 11. Follow after righteousness. 1 Corinthians 15 and 34. Awake to righteousness. This generation has fallen asleep and has become strangers to righteousness. People seem not to know what is right and what is wrong. And I'm very concerned, really, because what happened in those large countries normally drip, 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 trickle down to these islands. And I pray God help us that we take a stand because it takes only one half a hurricane to wipe us off the face of the earth. And all is gone, but in those big countries, you know, they think that, oh, well, it's just, it's not going to affect the whole country so that they could do what they want. Well, we, we don't have that luxury here. And so we need to be on God's good side. That is, wrath does not fall on us. We have no military might. We have no oil and uh, all these resources that God has blessed them with. Here God blessed them with all this and they're going to turn against him. But the solemn command here is that we sow in righteousness. Awake out of sleep. The world is falling asleep while the war is raging as the pastor uh, been preaching about for these several Sundays. But observe number four. Observe the solemn warning. We had the solemn command number three. Now we have the solemn warning. It is time to seek the Lord. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 55 verses 6 through 10. I will not take the time to read all of it. But it says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord for he will have mercy and he will abundantly pardon. Amen. God is able. God could pardon the nations of the world that has turned against him already. God could pardon those who have uh, slipped away from him and if they return, the Lord will receive them. You must realize that the time to seek the Lord, it is now to do both. To realize and to do and to seek the Lord with a broken and contrite heart. Breaking up the fallow ground, the areas of your life that have become hard and callous and the Lord cannot get across to you. You think of believers who have turned their backs on God and nothing that you can say to them to get them to come back to the Lord. They're away from church so long, they have lost their way. You wonder if they were ever saved. Some boast and say that, what are you worrying about me for? Once saved, always saved. Don't fool yourself. 
it's quite possible that they were never saved. Remember the prodigal son. Because he was a son, he came to his senses. And he said, I will arise and go to my father. My father has so much wealth. And here I am out here eating the husk with the swines. Came to his senses. And he went back home. So, only when we seek the Lord and come to him with a contrite heart that we'll ever see a real revival. A real revival comes only from God. Long time ago, he was all about having revival meetings, revival crusade. And we announced that we are having revival crusade. Well, brethren, that's a mistake that we have never made here at Shiloh as far back as I could remember. You can't announce that you're having revival crusade. You announce that you have revival crusades and you have all these services and not even one soul saved. Where is revival? We are having crusades. That is the terminology that we have used. And if we have used it, uh, revival services, we apologize. Nobody could organize any revival services. You preach and hope that the Holy Spirit will move upon hearts and cause them to see the error of their way and return unto the Lord. And revival really is not people getting saved. Revival is the people of God returning unto the Lord. And when that happens, people outside will see it and they will want to be saved. But we have things all upside down these days, really, and people being misguided and follow their own ideas and teachings and not the teachings of the Word of God. Finally, number five, I want you to observe the glorious moral prospects. The prospect here. God will rain righteousness upon you. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13 once again. When you have sown in righteousness, well, verse 12, the latter part of verse 12, till he come and rain righteousness unto you. And he's going to bless you and he's going to prosper you. Find in these times that people are looking more to government than they're looking to God. And people expect that government can do everything, especially when it comes to finances. And that government has a never-ending supply of money. And so therefore, we do all kind of wrong things and then we expect government to correct them with money, just pouring money into everything. And all that we need to do is to turn from our sins and turn to Almighty God. And God will rain righteousness upon his people. And in closing, I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. Listen to what it says. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away evil, the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. 
and cease to do evil. When in the world will people start to cease to do evil? Evil is multiplying. Evil is increasing. And it's time that people turn unto the Lord. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and ye be obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Amen. Amen. Brethren, when we sow, we eat the good of the land. Here we have a generation that is not willing to get involved in agriculture. Not many seem to be willing to get involved in fisheries. Because what? Fishing is hard work. <laughs> it was never my favorite thing, really. My favorite thing has always been from my youth, agriculture. And I just love the soil. I just love gardening. It's my second nature. And to men who go into fishing, I salute them. You remember what Psalm 107 verse said, one of my favorite Psalms and that particular portion. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Out there on the ocean, they mount up on the waves and they go back down again. And they mount up and, oh, how do they fish in such waters? I don't know. Congratulations. More power to you. I don't jealous you. I hope you make a lot of money from the fishing industry because it's hard work. I'm just not one who like to ride waves, you know. I like to sail when it is smooth. When it's rough, I like to stay at home. But whether it's rough or whether not, fishermen, they're out there fishing. God bless you. That's your trade. That's your gift. Congratulations. But brethren, it takes hard work to achieve anything in life. But God will give you the grace and the strength and the protection that you need. And just as it takes hard work in agriculture and fishing, you find it rewarding. But I was saying earlier that this generation, they want everything come easy. And this is one of my concerns, that parents are spoiling this generation, giving them everything that they want. And especially when it comes to these expensive devices. Everybody will not, everybody will not be able to find a job behind a computer in an air-conditioned office. But there is where it's heading these days. Some have to be in agriculture. Some have to be in fishing. And some have to be in other professions which might not be so um, glamour. Thank you, thank you. That's the word I was looking for, glamorous. 
everybody want to be in there. Stocking on the high heel shoes. And they press on nails. And you don't dare put on those nails when you go out to do agriculture and fishing. Although this is not a part of this message, let me, let me say it. And maybe it needs to be said. I'm very concerned about something that I'm seeing that is developing in Senkets and Nevis. I thought it was only Nevis, but I understand it's in Senkets. People coming out of sixth form and fifth form and saying that they can't find no work, they can't find no job. And so they're waiting and everybody waiting on a list for government to sit in an office. And of a school of 600 and 500, they go to those schools trying to encourage them to get into nursing and not one person they could find. You have a graduate class of over 100 and not one of them applying for nursing. Nursing have to be brought from, nurses have to be brought from the Windward Islands and the Philippines and elsewhere. They have a shortage of nursing, a shortage of jobs. But they don't want it there because you can't have on your pressure on nails. And you're not really going to sit down. You've got to work. Nursing is a noble profession. And parents encourage your children. Back then, we could not be nursing because you had to be a female to be a nurse. Now, the privilege that males could be nurse. And there is a shortage of nurses. In Sinkis and Nives, I thought it was only Nives, I was told. It is also in Sinkis. They cannot find people to go in nursing. This is of concern. A noble profession. I understand that it may not pay as much money as some of the other jobs, but government may have to do something about that, really. But don't just sit down on your hands. And expect that government is going to have to bring a job for you else you're not going to vote for them. There are jobs available, but people don't want to work hard. And maybe that's why people don't want to work hard when it comes to their spiritual condition. Breaking up your fallow ground. It means that you're going to have to be careful with the things in your life that have become unused. You neglect these areas. Unattended. Your daily devotion. Church attendance. Being active in church work. These are hard work that some people don't acknowledge. And if we don't get involved, how will the church, who will carry on the work of the church? The pastor alone can do it. People tell me that it is not necessary for me to be a member of a church. It is not necessary for me to go to church. I could get along without going to church. How can you? If you have a job and you don't go to work, you're a police officer and you don't go into work, how, how will the job how will it work? How will it 
function. And if everybody should say, I don't have to go to church, I don't have to be a member of a church, how will it function? The building is not the church. The people make up the church. And it aches me when I hear such ignorance that I don't have to go to church. And even church members, people who are saved, they go to church occasionally. What if you're a police officer and you go to work occasionally? What if you're a teacher and you go to work occasionally? No matter what your profession is, and you go to work occasionally. You're a banker and you go to work occasionally when you feel like it. If it doesn't rain too hard. If the conditions are not right, I'm not going. Or I, you know, have other things to do. And I woke up this morning and I didn't feel like it. You'll be fired. Because you have become useless. Unreliable. You're not there when you're needed. And so maintaining your spiritual life takes hard work. One of the areas that we spoke about in Sunday school this morning is keeping your life pure. How do you control your sinful sexual desires? Easy. Go get a cold shower and get your mind right. Have have your devotion. It works. And I'll tell you to do something that I have not done. (laughs) If my wife is not well, what do you think I'm going to do? Go to somebody else. I take a nice shower, cold shower, not a warm one. You have to maintain your sanity and your spirituality. And it takes self-control. Breaking up the fallow ground, the areas of your life that has become hard and cannot be used except for thorns and thistles and briars. It takes work resisting, looking at everything, looking at everything on television. Everything on television is not worth watching. It takes work to weed out the things that you don't need to look at. It takes work to the, put aside the, the, the activities that you don't need to be involved in. You don't have to be involved in everything because everybody is doing it. That's part of breaking up the fallow ground. Too often, people want revival to be poured out without opening your heart and soul to God. And the reason, perhaps, why we have not experienced a real revival here in the last, perhaps, 10 years, maybe 20 years, is because people are not willing to pour their hearts and soul to God in true repentance. St. and Nevis and the Caribbean, very religious, but lost. People mixing a little religion, a little bit of religion, with a lot of sin and iniquity, and they believe that God is going to accept it. He will not. You can do it, but what God said, I'll break down your altars 
what you're offering to me. Go and offer it to your kings. Offer it to your prime ministers. Offer it to your leaders and see if they will accept it. But yet you're going to offer it to me. How do you treat God? Do you treat God with greatest respect? Do you give him of your best? Or you give him the leftovers of your life? Most people give to God the leftovers of their life. What do I mean? In their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, and their 60s, they live up their lives in pleasure and sin. And when they realize that they're coming to the end of the tunnel, the end of their lives here on earth, they begin to talk about God. Some don't even get a chance to. Give off your best to the master. Give off your youth to the master. God is still looking for young people. God is still looking for middle-aged people. We have all our young men gone. Here we have young women. Saints of God. Ready to live a normal life, a good life. But cannot find a suitable husband. We have all the men gone. We let our young men run wild. And then we have all these saintly little ladies. Where do you think they're going to get husbands from? Those same wild oats out there. You have to go to them. So we might as well rein in our boys. So that they could mingle with the girls. Because it's just natural. That women need to get a husband. Nothing is wrong with that. Nothing sinful about that. It's just a natural part of life. We have the men out there. But it is forbidden that save and unsave should be joined together. I better move on because I know that some don't like to hear that. We are too busy with secular activities to get involved in church work. And so our lives have become fallow. If you're not a born-again believer in Christ, you need to be saved today. And let God use you. To those of you who are saved and you have become just a nominal Christian, your life has become fallow. And anything left it to itself will go to ruin. Young people, some of you will be going off to college. And you're going to be told in college that man evolved. And anything left to itself, it gets better. Nothing could be farther from the truth. If you believe that, look across here. You see a building that has become fallow. Right out next to Fellowship Hall. That building was built the very same year that that Fellowship Hall was built. As a matter of fact, we finished first before they finished that building. Look at this fellowship hall and look at that building. That's evolution there. Anything left to itself, they say, get better. If evolution is true, the building over there that needs to be knocked down should be far better looking than this fellowship hall. You see, that fellowship hall was maintained 
that other building was not over the years. We spent money maintaining. It was not. If you have a life and you just leave it there and you don't maintain it with Bible reading, devotion, listening to good music, have a good church to fellowship in, your life becomes just like that building, run down and fit for nothing. How many of you would rent that building outside the fellowship hall? It left to itself. Evolution says it should get better. That's the thing that should be looking like Buckingham Palace, according to evolution. So don't let them fool you when you go to college. You may want to listen to them, eh, but don't study them. You might not want to argue with them because you argue with them, they give you a bad grade. But then don't let them brainwash you. Anything left to itself goes to ruin. You left your life to itself and you're not going to maintain your life. You're not going to maintain your spirituality. You'll go to ruin. The Lord is saying to you today, break up the fallow ground. The areas of your life that have become hard and harsh and you don't care about the things that you used to, you need to take stock of that and make right with God. If you're not born again, believer, you don't even have any ground yet. You need to start. So I urge you to start today. Open your heart to the Lord as he called you and he said, it is time to seek the Lord. It is ripe and right. Every head bow.